Okay, so we are talking about the Holy Spirit, and I printed off the wrong class. Got here, and my computer course not here, and my computer died. So, fortunately to the wonders, the internet and clouds, uh, we managed to get my material back. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about this before. Uh, what am I not on? Battery's dead. Yeah, but not for long. They got a red light. I'll just talk louder. Um, so we're going to talk about his primary work. Um, we talked about this last year. We kind of, as we went through being spiritual, we talked about well, to be to be spiritual, we have to know what the spirit is and does. We've talked a little bit about his person, uh, that he is equal to God, but that uh, doesn't describe what he does. Um, other than we talked about what animates us. So I want to turn to Genesis chapter one. Diane, you want to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Okay, so so we've seen this, and, and we know, of course, from Colossians that Christ was there at the creation, but, but we need to also know that when God does things, what makes them unified what makes them one is that they are all involved in whatever they do. And we're going to, no matter what we talk about, we see the spirit involved in the things happen. We don't really separate their work and say, well, I mean, we can, they are different, but we can't separate them and say, well, he's over here and he does this and this is his little area. And then this one's over here. So, so the aspect of, so we want to look at, what was he doing? He's just wandering around the water. <laughs> was he just like out on the sailboat? He's yes, he's hovering. That, that's all. But but what is he hovering? What is this something that he's there for? Uh, and so I want to turn to uh, just the, the next page over, likely in your, your Bible. Marsha, you want to read Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Okay, so breath, this is spirit, uh, and man becomes a soul. We've talked about the difference between soul and spirit. One is what you are, one is what you have. And so, now the Holy Spirit, that, we said that's his identity. That's, that's, so he's up here, he's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's separated from us by degree. Uh, and I have a spirit, but he is spirit. Uh, and... Man becomes a soul. So what is man's, or what is the spirit's primary function? What is my spirit has a primary function, does something for me? It makes me alive. And so the spirit's function on a higher level 
is life. That's, that's what he does. Right? Uh, so, so in creation, he's the part of it that's, that's giving things life. And we're going to see the different aspects of it. I'm going to, just to, to emphasize the point, uh, why don't we turn to Job 33 and verse 4. Well, you want to read that? Job 33, verse 4. This is when Elihu comes to Job, uh, and he's going to confront him. And he starts off with, with this statement, an important statement. Uh, and he's basically using God as his backdrop for the reason he's talking to him. He's like, listen, everything I am, everything I have, whatever, is because of God. Um, <clears throat> but, but in here is, is an important statement. It is the breath of the Almighty. Right? It is the Holy Spirit that gives me life. So, uh, and, and so primarily, we, we, to this point, we've talked about what kind of life. What kind of life have we talked about in these verses? Physical life. Right? Just, just a body, just some dirt on the ground, and... Boom. It's, it's just, regular. just regular. Just the, the lowest form. We talk about lower life forms. <laughs> In terms of life, we are a lower life form. I mean, for what we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. For, for, for what the Holy Spirit's work is, we're about physically about as low as you can get. I know that sounds strange, but bear with me. Let's, we said that Romans 8 is a is a place that we're going to be a lot. So we're going to turn to Romans chapter 8. Mark, you want to read Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The Holy Spirit has more important work than making dirt move. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Okay, so, so he's got a couple of things that he's doing here. Uh, remember how we, we said, we, we read the scripture about Christ and, and talking about his deity. And, and one of the things we said is that we read a verse that said he raised himself up from the dead. Right? And Jesus says, listen, I lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. That's a trick. Right? Well, now what do we learn? Oh, the Spirit's involved in this. See, see this is what I said. The, 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 whatever one of them does, they're all involved in it somehow. So, so that Christ, they're so unified, Christ can say, I did it, and yet 
the Holy Spirit was involved in it somehow. Whatever, however they shared that and split that so that they can both say that they did it, that's close. That, that is really... <laughs> I, I'm not privy to the how of that. Yes, Mark? I also think it's interesting because obviously the Spirit's involved, but he also says to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, implying yeah. the Father as well. So it's... Yeah. It's... It, they're all they're they're all intertwined. You cannot dissect them apart and, and figure out where one ends and one one like it, it's it's too big for us. So, uh, but what else is he doing in this verse? So he's involved in raising up the spirit, and that's used as a. Uh, a means of supporting a point. Paul uses this to support a point. Another work of the Holy Spirit. Another type of life. So, so here we have just giving life to my mortal bodies just to make me a human. Now we're obviously much higher resurrecting Christ. That's a much more important work. Because I say, we're the low man on the totem pole physically. What else is he going to do? Okay. We're going to talk about that. That's not the primary focus of this. Okay, here in Romans 8, 11. Yeah. I have a little thought about this. Sure. And that is the fact that if he is in us, in the same way that when somebody's cooking in the kitchen and you smell something really good, you're actually taking part of it, ingesting it into your body. So if somebody's making a really delicious peach cobbler, you're actually smelling that, ingesting it, it becomes part of it, right? Yeah. And I want to make more of it part of it because I love peach cobbler. Yeah. But it's, it's the same thing I'm thinking of here is that God breathed himself into me. Yeah. So he's part of me sure. inherently. Yep. Mark? It goes back to us being Yep. Now, remember when we talked about the new creation? And we said that was a function of victory. We talked about victory, and we talked about that being through Christ's resurrection. That was a function of Christ's resurrection. That, that the death kind of has more connected to one part, but the resurrection has kind of, they're kind of, I mean, they're all connected. But it's the victory that kind of seals some of that. And yet, here we see that, that new creation had two aspects. The new creation had to do with me here as a spiritual thing. But it had to do, ultimately, the new creation was, was what I was going to be eternally. That in, in some physical form, not like this, but in some physical form, there's, there's going to be a new eternal creation that I will be. Because of Christ's victory Right? And that's what, what uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is about. And yet here, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, connects that to the Holy Spirit. Romans eight eleven, he says, The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, so his resurrection, oh, but that's connected to the Holy Spirit. Well, now we're, let's talk about the new creation. 
He who raised Christ from the dead will bring your mortal bodies to life through the spirit who lives in you. And he's talking here about the the final resurrection. He's comparing the resurrection of Christ to the resurrection at the end of at the end of whatever this is. And whenever that happens, I'm going to have a new body. And guess who's going to give that a new life? It's the Holy Spirit. Through the resurrection, they're all connected. They're all intertwined. So his, his life, his, his function is also uh, eternal life, which is still life. Um, let's look at John chapter 4, verse 10. I read these out of order, but that's all right. John chapter 10 kind of confirms the idea. Kat, you want to read John 4, verse 10 through 14? John 4, 10 through 14. I probably did. John 4, 10 through 14. What is the water? Okay. I've read this for so many times. I don't know why I've always read this. And I have always thought of the water as the eternal life. Right? He says it will become a, a well of water springing up into eternal life. But the well of water is going to spring up into eternal life. The, the well of water is not eternal life. It's the thing that produces eternal life. Well, I have never connected this. Jesus explained it, but he just didn't explain it here. Jesus does that a lot of times. He throws something out there and he waits a little while and then explains it later. Like he lets people fight with it. What does this mean? You think about it and I'll come back and explain it later. So let's look at John chapter 7. Just a couple of chapters later. God, you want to read John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day, the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, Just comes back to it. Oh, yeah. Remember that thing that you couldn't figure out? Here's, the, here's what that means. The water is the spirit. The spirit 
gives us life, gives us eternal life. Uh, so, which is again, it's the higher form of life. This here is God says it's not even worthy to be compared. All right, you and I right now are. I mean, we're above the animals. That's great, but considering all forms of life that that can be, right now we're in a state that's very low. Uh, so <clears throat> now, here's a question. Here he says that the spirit had not yet been given. Okay. So I want to read, uh, let's see. Ray, you want to read Psalms 51, verse 11. Psalm 51, 11. Well, someone seems to be at odds with somebody else, doesn't it? How can John write through inspiration that the Holy Spirit had not yet been given if about a thousand years earlier, David, by inspiration, assumes that he had the Holy Spirit and that he was in danger of losing it? That's interesting. What's that? Okay, kings were anointed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And an evil spirit occupied. Yeah. So kings might have been given. Well, he says, but but he says, had, the spirit hadn't been given yet. There were other numerous occasions where people had been filled with the spirit. Okay. Yeah. So 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 there seems to be a lot of exceptions to this rule that that the spirit hadn't been given. Okay. So. Okay, that, so let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse we know well. Acts chapter 2, that's a really good point, uh, Guy. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and we'll read 39 as well. Uh, Barry, do you want to read that? Acts two thirty-eight and 39. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Okay. So I think there's a, a number of things happening that explain that these two verses are not contradictory. Everyone always looks for the contradictory verses. And sometimes there are verses that we just, I don't know, like this seems to say they had, this seems to say they hadn't. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of wiggle room between those two words, yes and no. Uh, but one thing is for sure, the Holy Spirit was so vague in the Old Testament that the priests, the, 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 the actual leaders of the Jewish religion had concluded that there was no such thing as a Holy Spirit. They had concluded that there's no such thing as eternal life, that there's no such thing as spirits at all. Because they're just... To them, there wasn't enough evidence from the scriptures. 
so at the very least, we can say it was a vague idea. And what I think the, the explanation between the two points is it hadn't been promised. People, obviously, we talk about the various ones that I received a double portion and Elisha. And, and then, uh, like, like the different references to kings and things like that, and prophets and, you know, Samuel and these, it wasn't promised it was it was a gift, but of a different type. And like, like Guy points out, it didn't relate to salvation. It related to functioning in a form of life and helping and assisting a form of life and governing things. But it, it didn't relate to the new covenant. It was a promise that hadn't that hadn't come yet. Why? Why hadn't it come yet? And rose. He hadn't rose yet. Risen. Whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so it was, again, life, spirit, is connected to the resurrection. But it's through, somehow through the mechanism of the Holy Spirit doing it. So, um, now I want to note the order here in Acts chapter 2. Repentance. He starts with repentance, right? And we talked about, we, we looked at Romans 6 before, and we've noticed that, that the order is important. It's, a, it's an analogy. I want to go through the analogy again. It works the same way as Romans chapter 6. We talked about being buried, or dying, being buried. Dying is crucifying self, being done with that old man. I'm, I'm done. I want to be done with it. Okay, that's good. That's a good starting point. But now you're just a dead body sitting around, right? We don't want, no one wants the dead body sitting around. So we bury it. He says, okay, now you're buried with him in baptism. Now you rise to walk in the newness of life. And we talked about the Holy Spirit is involved in all of these things. This is the process of new life. So there's repentance. And all that, that implies is obviously you're not going to repent if you don't believe in God. That's, that's kind of a natural extension of that. And you're going to likely tell somebody about it, this confession, it's kind of the transition to the next thing that he talks about here, is the baptism, the burial. And then what happens? According to this, it follows the same, it always follows the same order. For what purpose? Baptism for what? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's this, there's this, it, it, it comes at the end of it, not at the beginning of it. Yes? Um, going back to kind of the, the previous section, I think it was Becky that mentioned that you know, it was for specific people only. You can go back to verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Yes. Only in the last days. Yes. Not right. before. Right, and last days here meaning not the end of the world. Last days meaning probably the last days of the old covenant, or it, last days sometimes just means a long time from now. Right, uh, so uh, that's their a Jewish idiom. So we know then, of course, that so remission of sins cannot come before this point because remission of sins is a function of life, and who is responsible for that? Holy Spirit. 
but you don't got the Holy Spirit yet. Because why? He said, and you shall, future tense, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, from the standpoint of where you're standing now, these thousands of people standing there listening to the sermons, you will. You're baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It will happen. It's a moment, but it's a future moment from, from standing there thinking, should I do this or should I not? That's a future thing. And at the moment that that happens, you will receive uh, the Spirit and remission of sins. Boom. My version says the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. To me, you get this gift after you have done all of these steps. Yeah, right. It is the Right. You haven't earned it. Now, I want to emphasize that because that's always said, well, you believe you earned it. No, I don't. <laughs> but there are some gifts have prerequisites to them. It doesn't mean that you earned it, but they, they are prerequisites. So, right, that's correct. I am not owed it. Getting wet did not earn anything, but it's something that has to be done. Um, <clears throat> so, um, We've talked about identifying statements. God is what? Finish the sentence. God is love. What's another one? God is what? Holy. Jealous. Hmm, that's a good one. God is spirit. That makes it all. My goodness, my head just exploded. <laughs> Jesus is what? Huh? God. Jesus is God. Christ is what? Hmm. What's his Bible statement? Christ is Savior. Christ is Lord. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually the Bible says Christ is Lord more than it does Christ is Savior. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thought for you. A lot of people like the one and don't like the other one. What When we have that just... Somebody is something. It's an identity, right? It's an identity of what their function is. We read Romans eight eleven. I want to go back there. And I want to conclude with this. We're done a little bit earlier, uh, but the next section was going to be too long. Uh, to, to throw in here without running over. Brady, you want to read Romans chapter 8, verse 10? Verse 10? Yep. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. I like the... the um, it's so a little bit more of a modern translation. It actually says that the spirit is life because of righteousness. It's the actual original. That doesn't make sense to us. What do you mean the spirit is? I mean, it's, it's the, the point, the, the way you read that in that translation is accurate. That the spirit gives, gives me life. It's a function. It's, it's, that describes it through his function. But the actual... 
the way that that was originally written describes the function as a means through the viewpoint of who he is. This is a significant thing. The Spirit gives life. Why? Because the Spirit is life. That's his identifier. As much as Christ is Lord, as much as God is love, the Spirit is life. They are inseparable. Their identity is inseparable from what they do. Some people go to work and they come home and they put that on the shelf. It's like, I'm done with that. You know, I like... (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, like, that's not what I do. That's, that's, that's not what I am. I, I, just, I just do that for a job. It's like I've got to do something, right? Most of us have had a job that we don't want to think about after we come home. Some people have a job that is inseparable from their identity. They're just so into it. Just, it's just a part of what they love. And everything around them just speaks to what they do. It's a function of who they are. The Spirit gives life, not just because it's like, eh, i got to go give life today. That's his identity. And that's his purpose within Godhead. And I don't know how that ever got figured out at the beginning or before the beginning before the beginning, before the beginning. Like, I don't know, my mind explodes when I try to think of that. But this is the information we have, that, that the Spirit is life because of what? What's that? Yes, because of righteousness. And that's where we're going to get into next week. That we, so we've, we've talked about forms of life. Right? There's a there's and, and we've focused primarily on on two, and kind of tra- we're transitioning into the third. We've talked about my human life, and and along with that Christ's human life, which is a step up. But even that, even I, I know it sounds I'm not diminishing Christ at all, but but even giving Christ's body, human body, life, is not as important of a work as working my salvation and giving like the next step up is giving me like a transition to eternity but even that even that is not as important as righteousness spiritual life that's really a function which is his passion and we're going we're gonna to notice that, that, that the vast majority of, of verses on the subject, we're, we're going to talk about different methods and things that he does, but, but primarily all of his work will eventually be directed towards righteousness, which produces in the long run my eternal life. Any thoughts as we close? Okay, good, good conversation, good thoughts. Thank you.